Hi guys, Brunchy here. If you're back, thanks for tuning in. I know it's been a while. Welcome to the Coffee Break podcast where we discuss passionate topics and conversations you would have over coffee. Today I have Chris or known as Sedsi on Instagram. On today's topic, we discuss how nutrition challenged him over the years as a person and why comfort is the biggest trap we go into more detail later with this podcast so i hope you enjoy and let's get started so i'm here with go introduce yourself hi uh, hey guys i'm sedzi the sports nutritionist <laughs> um so this one here we are going to chat about little things about mental health um nutrition as well so I will title this how nutrition challenged you over the years mm. and why the comfort zone is the biggest trap. So nutrition challenges over the years, like from starting off. So what age did you start off doing nutrition and why? Well, as a, as a professional, um, probably about three years ago. So I was a PT four years ago and then I always wanted to get into nutrition because I knew how like, you know, powerful and important it can be for everyone's goals. Um, so yeah, three years ago, but when I started sort of like dabbling in nutrition and all that sort of stuff, it was way before then, like, I don't know, when I was like, probably when I was like 18, trying to like get gains at the gym and doing things so wrong. Um, and I guess <clears throat> even though it was a long time after, that's what made me want to get into the, into the industry because I did so many things wrong over the years. Like I read all the bodybuilding.com forums and did all this stupid bro science stuff and like tried every diet under the sun to try and like, you know, lose body fat or to gain muscle and... Yeah, just I never made any like really significant progress and my training was all right, but I just didn't really know what I was doing the nutrition. I'd, I'd try something and it wouldn't stick or wouldn't get instant results, so I'd change. Um, so, yeah, I just went through that cycle that a lot of people go through. And then <clears throat> when I was like 23, I reckon, I started to like, you know, getting in better shape and I got pretty shredded and everyone would always comment. Um, and then I thought, oh, maybe I do sort of know what's going on onto something and like my relationship with food and stuff wasn't the best at that time because you know you only get shredded by being very um restrictive for a long time and so while i felt like i was doing really well i was really kind of fucking myself up um and yeah i guess all those experiences doing the wrong thing and like fucking up my mental health partly through my my diet and trying to get a good physique <clears throat> all these things really motivated me to want to help others um and then yeah as i started looking more into more evidence-based practices and stuff i sort of figured out how you know stupid some of the stuff was that i was doing and then yeah finally made the plunge to get into the industry i was like i want to make sure that i can help people do things the right way and get good results without messing themselves up like myself and others have done in the past yeah 100 percent. i feel like a lot have a lot of inv information has changed over the past three years which is like crazy oh, yeah, honestly like the biggest misconception like you would have i don't know heard about nutrition oh, what's other biggest misconceptions yeah say? yeah the oh, biggest right. yeah <clears throat> um one of the early ones would probably be like not having carbs after a certain time at night and stuff like that oh so, yeah that 100 percent. So, like, because otherwise it would result in fat gain and, all this sort of shit. and there was all these things I look back now and I'm like how did I fall for that and how did any maybe there was like I don't know 
I don't know if there's any studies at all, but maybe there was like one article that said, oh, you can't do this. And then, you know, everyone would just be like, oh, we can't do that anymore. Can't have carbs after 6 p.m. Uh, you know, um, got to eat fat only for, you know, this portion of the day or intermittent fasting. Yeah, and that was another one. Intermittent fasting, which I guess is still a bit of a thing, but there was a phase a few years ago, probably like three years ago, and like everybody was getting into it. There was some like prominent sort of, I guess, influencers in Adelaide and gym owners that were really into it. And there was all this like false information and like kind of bullshit bias studies that came out about fasting and yeah it sort of just basically made it out to be a lot better than it was saying oh it's going to skyrocket your testosterone it's going to get you shredded this and that you know calories don't matter um and yeah, you're eating at like a certain time <clears throat> like you'd finish at like seven or eight sort of yeah thing. i think <laughs> i started out doing it like i'd eat it yeah i'd start eating around 12 because I had an office job, so it was pretty, like, consistent lunchtime. Yeah. And then I would, yeah, I'd stop eating by 8. And then as it, <laughs> as it progressed, this is where my, I guess, disordered eating patterns started kicking in. And when I was getting into good shape but was kind of fucking myself up, I'd, I'd push it further and further. Um, and I'd kind of, yeah, I just would always try and take it further and further and challenge myself more. So I'd be starting eating at 2 p.m. and then finishing at 7 or 8 and then, you know, at one stage, I tried to just do the one meal a day, one massive meal, which wasn't very comfortable eating a huge <laughs> fucking meal at dinner. Yeah, I know, like, like digestion as well. Yeah, it was like only like 2,000 calories. I wasn't eating a lot for the day, but one meal, 2,000 calories of like <laughs> clean food is not, it's not good. I can't imagine so, what yeah, you'd be eating for shit. like that much though, if it's like clean. Like yeah. sitting there just... <laughs> hungry but i'm slowly like getting through this <laughs> massive plate yeah if you had somewhere to go quickly you're like oh. you're screwed because you're not going to finish that meal in less than a half an hour no literally like yeah oh. you're you're, you're <laughs> fucked yeah. um oh, like that would <laughs> yeah honestly um yeah that would be yeah that'd be interesting i thought a lot of people did that back then as well and everyone was like posting it and like oh my god it's such a win <laughs> and everything yeah, there's, there's a few guys, um, we won't share names and stuff and shame them, but, you know, they um, they would do, like, full days of fasting. And I don't know, I feel like maybe there is some benefit. I don't know if it's going to help your digestion. Maybe it's, like, a spiritual sort of thing. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but mostly I think it's not a good idea. No, <laughs> I, I don't. The whole day not eating. And sometimes I'd even train on that day. Like, I, if I was going to do that, I'd just have a rest day. But, you know, they'd train in gym as well and they'd fast one day. Some people would you know, even do it like for three days. It's just, I don't know, people are always trying to like do more and more and push themselves more and more. Like I see, I used to party a lot and me and my mates would always, <clears throat> we'd send it. And then, you know, it was kind of always a bit of a competition and we'd always try and outdo ourselves um, and go harder and harder. And then a lot of the people that would do that, they kind of find like a different thing, a different vice. And it's like a lot of them were the ones that were doing the fasting, myself included, and doing all these hardcore crazy things that are a bit like out there and they're always trying to like push it harder and harder and it's like it's exactly the same thing as what you're doing at hq and red square going out mm -hmm. till 10 in the morning <laughs> you're doing yeah. the same thing yourself, but with like something slightly healthier yeah exactly and then the next day like still feeling like what are you like fasting the whole day because you feel sick or something like <laughs> yeah, it's like is this good is this supposed to be cool <laughs> it's like, oh it's so backwards it's so yeah. fucked like exactly. oh the and like we're saying that as well like you're the comfort zone 
being stuck in that and then trying to get out of it like was that a challenge like mentally like trying to tell yourself this is you know like this is not normal like you know you were doing like some wrong things here and there and like the challenges and the comfort around that like how did you go I think back then I didn't really think about the fact that it wasn't normal I don't know I'm not sure if I was just looking I was like time my life and I was like pretty like depressed I guess overall so I was probably like looking for something to cling on to to kind of distract me from that and maybe get me through that and it's probably the same for a lot of those people they're going out and doing all sorts of things till 10 a.m they've probably got some stuff they're dealing with as well oh, <laughs> yeah. Have to be often. um so yeah not, not didn't really go through my head that much but I definitely agree that there's like um trying to get out of the comfort zone is a huge thing and like that probably helped me get through my some of my mental health struggles <clears throat> by um just teaching me to be okay with being a little bit uncomfortable and to also then eventually to strive um strive to do more and eventually get out of my you know my corporate job that i hated so i could get into the fitness industry which i actually you know am passionate about mm-hmm. so yeah that's definitely really important but in terms of how to do that and get out of your comfort zone i'm sure there are some like a set of steps that you can get from psychologists and things like that and probably give some motivational quotes and things like that <laughs> i do this oh, and some motivational stuff yeah <laughs> but at the end of the day go all game with goggles on you but at the end of the day i mean i think you just gotta you just have to make a decision like i want to change and i want to do something and <clears throat> if you don't want to be stuck in the same position that you are now in whatever it is um whether it's your work life your home life or your physique etc um you just gotta go all right i do want to i can't be like this forever and i know that i have to do something that requires change, requires being uncomfortable, and you just got to do it. Like yeah. it's not really the best advice. It's like you just have to do it. But sometimes that is that is it. You just have to get out your own way and just suck it up and do it and get uncomfortable for a little bit. Yeah, even though that sounds like so straightforward, but like you said, you were mm. like in an office job that you hated. <clears throat> knew you were in the back of your head that you had to change, so you had to go through mm. that to be like, okay, that was like the deal breaker to really. Yeah steps yourself out of there and it's like you can tell someone to get out of there but they just don't know when is a good time to yeah. i guess i guess it, i guess it's because it's so comfortable i mean it's so easy it feels good sorry to like stay the same and to just do nothing it, like i don't know people like to complain about what's wrong um and if you're doing something positive then you don't have anything to complain about well you don't have mm-hmm. as many things to complain about it's like the playing the victim i did that so much for so long um, without meaning to and it's like it feels good to play the victim but it's it's not good but it feels good so it's like gives you that little I don't know sense like hit of dopamine or something so people get addicted to it and it's just hard until you realize that you need to change or else life's gonna be shit yeah yeah definitely and yeah it's it's like like the 20s like they say is like the top like those years that you go through massive changes mm. Yeah. And like here you are. How old are you again? Like you say, uh, just turned thirty. Yeah. Yeah. When I was going to that, I was like, yeah, twenty-three or so, and um, yeah, I have to do something in life. <laughs> yeah, like t- your twenties are like the biggest change, and you have to go through a lot to be where you need to be. And there is no perfect like timeline for anyone at all. Um, no. But yeah, exactly. And I guess like moving on from this as well, the importance of nutrition and the stuff you've learned, like the sacrifices mm-hmm. you have now. Um, you like you've competed, like the mental health <laughs> struggles, 
I guess, mm. lifestyle nutrition as well, like the sacrifices you have now and what you have learned. So what, sorry, what some of the sacrifices? Yeah, that you, like, implement, you've implemented now, like that you're okay. used to as well. Um, some of the things. Like, so, do you, like, are you uh, tracking at the moment, tracking off or stuff that you feel comfortable, like, knowing about nutrition and, like, I guess, doing what you do now? Like yeah, I think some of the biggest things I learned, um, definitely, like, tracking's certainly been a big part of, not all, but a lot of my results. And I think if you're going to be in the industry, you definitely should know how to track. It doesn't mean you should always track. But, yeah, that's definitely been a powerful thing because it's like you can – I know you're doing your sports nutrition um, cert at the moment, so they'll talk mm. about objective and subjective stuff. So it's like if you're all only subjective and, like, you only know about how things feel and opinions and stuff, it's very hard to, like, really understand things and help others. You might be able to help yourself. And then if you're somebody who is very down the line and like you just know the numbers and you know how like this is the rule and this is why, you know, this works, but you don't really get how people feel. You don't get, um, yeah, like how things actually work in reality and all that. And through those experiences, you know, you'll probably struggle to relate with people. So I think, yeah, you've got to know things like tracking food. You've got to be in the, um, like in the trenches doing all that stuff and like actually understand it. Um, and then you've got to, yeah, have gone through a bit of, shit yourself i think a lot of the time um in the fitness industry to realize you know what is good and what's not so good um especially with the stuff that's not so good so yeah and i guess some of the biggest things that i have learned that mistakes i've made are just not not fueling myself enough so trying to do things to the extremes <clears throat> like you're not always obviously going to get better results in like say fat loss by eating less obviously the less you eat the more fat you lose but there comes a point where you're just gonna like ruin yourself and i tried to do that and push things to extremes for too long um and yeah like you just, your quality of life diminishes like you know life becomes about exercise and like you usually don't look forward to it because you're so tired <clears throat> and life becomes about thinking about food all the time mm-hmm. and, like, knowing that you can't have it or then feeling ashamed because you, you have a binge and then uh, you know, you're like, oh, I hate myself because I've, I've fucked up or, you know, I'm going to ruin my progress. It just gives you a yeah, really bad, like, outlook on food and stuff. Yeah, 100% agree. Like, you'd be so consistent and then, like, if you, I don't know, if you're having a social event or you've been so on track, you're like, shit, like, I've fallen apart and then you go on, like, binge yeah. and, like, you forget, like, other aspects in life as well, like, what's important mm. because you're – your brain is so like food focused yeah and like yeah, so much more happening in your life than just yeah. you know, your body's the the least <laughs> interesting thing about you so but then yeah when you get into those sort of habits and it just becomes all about that and ruins your social life and other aspects of your life and stuff yeah do you reckon this came from like was this like <clears throat> after competing or like learning oh, that no, no, that's way before that yeah, yeah so I, okay. competed in, I competed in 20 2020 i think when we had covid yeah um so that was like when i was less than a year into my like running a business as a pt mm-hmm. um yeah and all, all the main all the struggles probably came back when i was like i don't know like 2015 or 2016 17 somewhere yeah. around that sort of that time when i was in my earlier 20s mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know, okay. I myself i wouldn't have put myself through the bodybuilding prep if i hadn't got that stuff sort and had like a i've been in a good place 100 i know some people do do that and i've seen people that have 
um, you know, said that they've just sort of gotten over eating disorders, compete and like, don't say anything because it's not my business. But like, you know, I know some of these people and like, oh, I wish I could say something because that's really risky. Like, good on you for doing it. It's mm. amazing. But it's so dangerous. Like you've just gotten out of, you know, the darkest part and now you're throwing yourself back into this hole where it's like you're likely to get into trouble with disordered eating and stuff again. Yeah. And like, <clears throat> I mean, like it's not just a few months after, it's like years of like mm. disordered mm. eating and how you feel about yourself, like tracking or not tracking, like socially, like mm. your relationship with food for years on after competing as well. If you don't get that shit sorted, like <clears> it's going to be <throat> in you for like so long. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Such a mental yeah, game as well. <laughs> Ideas. When I competed, because I coached myself last time and and I will this time as well. So mm. I want to try and get my pro card without, well, I'm just doing it myself and then I'll definitely look into getting a prep coach after so I can take it seriously. But um, after my first comp um, in 2020, yeah, I definitely spent a long time really focusing on like the recovery side of things after the comp. So I didn't, <clears throat> um, well, one, so I could enjoy social life and stuff and reconnect with friends who I hadn't really had much to do with because of the comp. Um, and so I wouldn't spiral and, you know, gain heaps of weight or end up really, you know, depressed and stuff post-comp. So that was a huge focus of mine. Um, and yeah, I was fortunate to have a few, you know, we see a lot of like good information out there on the internet around um, you know, post-comp recovery and all that sort of stuff and the warnings around mental health. Um, so it's good that there, you know, there is a lot of good information out there these days to help people who aren't, you know, maybe working with a coach. Um, but yeah, I spent a good six months sort of just working on getting rid of that food focus. Um, I stopped tracking after a while, sort of weaned off of it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's like, I guess, ate intuitively which is, you know, it's not really an easy thing to do sometimes. It's um, not. Learned skill. <laughs> yeah, that was hard, but I yeah, had a great time. I went, had, uh, you know, didn't miss a social event and all that sort of stuff. And I gained just enough weight and then kind of hovered around the same weight for a while. So it was pretty um, successful, I guess. And that was, that was a big, a big like learning curve, I guess, for me and a big like v- um, valuable thing I learned out of prep because mm. that's um, something I could really use with a lot of other clients not ones that have been in the prep necessarily, but um, yeah, even just in the normal lifestyle clients um, in like weight maintenance and not always being focusing on the tracking and stuff. It's really yeah. useful to implement into their, into their lives. Yeah. hundred percent. And those are like, I guess like don't need to track and just want to lose like a few, like a couple of kilos or so what, um, and if tracking is new to them as well, <clears> like it's just, it's crazy. Like when you track for so long, like you just become so like, number focus and scale focus that when you like it's so easy for someone to say oh track intuitively but it's not the same like it doesn't feel the same you're not like satisfied if that makes Mm. sense like when you hit your numbers um but it's also it's so messed up so it becomes an addiction and then some people it's worse than others i guess but it definitely um yeah it's hard to just like do it a little bit you're either doing it or you're not doing it sort of thing so yeah 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 it's pretty much you're all in like all out um but there's sometimes like you can go like months like you know you can track here and there um but like intuitive intuitively tracking it's yeah you like you just it's hard to like break that mindset from tracking apart (laughs) you're like you're still tracking your head you're still tracking Mm. like while you're picking (laughs) your food on your plate it's still there oh well um i think um i think mackenzie baker did a post on something like that 
not long ago. Um, yeah, this is. Oh, I love our, his content. Oh, it's got so much good shit. Eh? He's, good. He's great. <laughs> He's good. <laughs> something I can't remember what it was something to do with um, how, yeah, like when you're tracking, like you're not always. Yeah, you're, either, you're always um, going to be using some of those behaviors. Like if you're mm-hmm. into tracking, unless you work away from it and get like totally away from it, like you're always still going to have some of those, um, I guess, kind of disordered behaviors going through your minds around food. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it'll mm-hmm. be like that. It's like when you track and say if you're enjoying a meal out, <clears throat> in the back of your head, you're still eyeballing those grams of the chicken or steak yeah, that's yeah, on the oh, plate. That's, that's a 400 grams steak. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, it says on the meal, like, oh, 200 grams, 300. Like, that's fine with me. Or if it's not, you're, you're still eyeballing mm-hmm. it. And you're like, mm-hmm. shit, like, I just did that. And yeah, it's just so too it. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't think about it. Oh, habits, yeah. honestly. Um, oh, moving on. Like, what did... What did you learn as a person, like from your nutritional experiences, like how you are as a coach now, um, the knowledge you have gained as well, like that you can that you've provided, you know, to your clients, and you've had all this information that you can source out to. Um, I've learned. I mean, well, we learned a lot, but yeah, I'm not sure what I've learned as a, that's changed me as a person. I guess it's all sort of shaped who I am today. Um, guess it's all my experiences and learning more about evidence-based nutrition has given me not that I was ever not an empathetic person but a lot more empathy and understanding towards yeah I guess in that way yeah early on when I was mainly a PT trying to dabble in nutrition like you know a lot of people do probably was yeah like not not quite as empathetic when it came to nutrition because it's like that sort of like stereotype that you see online about PTs who are trying to coach nutrition when they Mm. don't really know how to and it was like sort of just give the macros and it's like go go just work it out yourself and when things weren't quite going right or they weren't nailing it it's sort of like oh well, why why can't you do it because i did that yeah like, and i can do it easily enough why can't you so i guess yeah obviously developed a lot just as a professional like knowing more theory and different approaches to use but yeah just like becoming a more empathetic and like helpful person someone that can guide people along the way yeah. rather than just tell them here's what you need to do it's not the same as well like here's a meal plan and like it's you know you can google that you can go and chat (laughs) and look up how many calories should i eat a day what's a good food to eat for lunch yeah (laughs) just saved some save someone's like content on like instagram and like oh here's a 16 or 1700 like deficit meal plan copy that but (laughs) now what (laughs) yeah what's next oh yeah, definitely, like, empathy and, like, the perspective you've gained from the negative and positives, obviously. Yeah. And then now that you can branch out to clients who do want to compete or just general population, like, you have that empathy, which is, yeah. 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 I guess uh, think about that, yeah, I've got the experience in <clears throat> sort of the different phases of my life and my different goals and stuff when I was, you know, I was into F45 and running and I was into... Oh, wow. Lots of- building yeah i went through yeah. that phase that got me into wanting to really be a pc so that was an interesting time um yeah so i went through all those different phases being just sort of like a general gym goer and like being into this and that and then competing having all those different experiences yeah it's just been very valuable as you can imagine to so i can relate to people as well so you know i wouldn't just coach someone on something really random that i don't understand because i won't be able to relate to it at all you know i want to be able to sort of live in their shoes a little bit or have lived in their shoes and then i think people feel more comfortable 
working with someone like that as well. Yeah, definitely. I 100% agree. Um, you got a f- few questions before we finish off as well. Um, what good health means to you? Like, what good does health, health mean to you? Um, yeah. yeah, well, I guess it, it's, for me, it's like a multifaceted sort of thing. Like, I see health as being like <clears throat> multiple pillars, probably three. So you've got your physical health, um, your mental, I guess you say like mental and spiritual health, um, and then your your inner health. And I think really to be healthy, you need all of them. Um, now there's a social, sorry, social health, physical health, and like inner health. So <clears throat> yeah, you need to have a, I think being healthy means having a fit and strong body. It doesn't mean you have to be massive or anything or an endurance runner, <clears throat> but just being someone who, you know, does some sort of exercise, physically active, um, need to have good relationships and like a social life. Cause you know, like I was saying before, when I was at my well, kind of peak, when I was like back in the day, my peak, um, of physical health, I guess my physique, I was, had shit house, um, everything else, every other pillar yeah. of health, you know, so it has to be everything. And then inner health, you know, you can look amazing subjectively, but mm. you know, if your body inside is screaming out and like, you don't eat a balanced diet and you're probably going to die at 60, you know, that's not healthy. Yeah. hundred <laughs> so percent. Like the long run of things. Yeah. 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 No, I totally agree with that as well. <laughs> like you can tell someone to like, here's good food and like do your health and fitness and whatever, like here's good health. But there's so many other factors. If you're stressed, if you don't have a good like environment, if you sleep <clears throat> like full, full shit house or mm, whatever, yeah. like you need to get like the fundamentals like running before you can track or, you know, oh, all, yeah. all sorts of things. <clears throat> um, just because we talked about tracking for this long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Oh yeah. Second one as well. I didn't ask, um, your lifestyle career before this or what did you your career goals did you have so, yeah before fitness industry i straight out of high school i wanted to do well i wanted to go uh, do a few things i kept changing my minds i was like i had a bit of a like a less than quarter life crisis when i was like oh. 17 i was like i don't want to go to uni anymore fuck this it's too hard like i yeah, i was sort of like grades were starting to fall a little bit so I wasn't quite going to be good enough to get into, you know, like engineer or something. And I was like, I don't want to be an engineer. Fuck that. Engineer. That's not what I want to do. I was like, I just picked that one of the highest paying jobs. I was like, no way. I want to be a musician. Okay. Musician. The creative side. I was writing, yeah, I was writing like punk rock songs and stuff and pop punk songs. <laughs> and mum and dad were like, no, if you're going to live in our house, you're getting a job. I was like, oh, so I can't like travel around and like jam and record. And like, well, if you can work full time as well. So I went through this whole thing, like fucking the problems of a 17 year old. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, then I, I wanted, I settled on being an electrician, but um, it was hard to get a, a job at the time. I can't remember why, but there was not a lot of apprenticeships going around. There must have been like a bit of a, you know, not depression, but you know, whatever you call that. E- economy wasn't that great at the time. So it was hard <laughs> to get a job as an electrician. I was like, oh, God, now I'm going to change my mind again. So I ended up getting a job as an electrical wholesaler, selling the stuff to electricians. And I was like, just out in the store you know, driving the forklift and packing orders and shit. And then I worked my way up and I didn't mean to stay there for long. It was meant to be a couple of years or a year till I got an apprenticeship. Um, but I ended up staying there for eight years in the end and I worked my way up and I was like the business development manager of, um, we ended up doing solar. as like selling solar stuff to people. And we'd, um, yeah, it turned out to be like a really big successful thing. And so I was like running that basically for our company in SA 
Um, <clears throat> and it was, yeah, it was hectic. So that wasn't an aspiration of mine, but I was very like committed to it at the time. I was doing well in my career, but never wanted to stay that long. And I wasn't really enjoying a lot of aspects of it. So that was, that was what I was doing pre fitness industry. And then, yeah, towards the end of that, I got into the F45 and stuff as well. And then I was like, no, I'm going to open an F45. And so I had all these, I was like, all right, maybe I can actually get a job in the fitness industry. So I just doubted myself so much. I was like, no, I can't do that. I, I couldn't, I was obviously selling to people, but I was like, I couldn't go and like sell, try and sell my PT <laughs> service, some random person. Like, I don't yeah. know. Like, I just tried to like talk myself out of it for so long. Um, but that's, I always wanted to be in the fitness industry. I remember yeah. I, was, I was 19 and I saw a mate that was a PT and I was like, that would be like the dream job. I love helping people. I love lifting weights. I love fitness myself. So yeah, it took me, took me six, six years to actually do something about it. And finally, yeah, left my job, um, finished my cert with fit college, um, worked at body fit Brighton when it was pretty new. I started there and it was, they gave me an opportunity to get in the industry. So I did classes and then yeah, moved out of there and started PTing and we're fast forward four years and we're here today. Here we are six years in the, in the, um, yeah, I was going to say not complete opposite, but you know, you get to the highest point there. You're like, nah, <laughs> yeah, I literally did. Yeah, like, was way up so much. Was doing really well, but I like, wasn't satisfied. So I was like, "No, nah, jumping ship. We're gonna do See it." See you later. Because, yeah, like you said, like twenty so important. And I was what twenty five at the time. I was like, if I don't leave now, I'm probably gonna be forty and still at that same place. Yeah, you know, slight pay rise probably, and just like not having any satisfaction with <laughs> my work. Go you to the pub that, after after yeah, on exactly. Friday so night vibe. <laughs> No, exactly. It's not oh. like you just drink away your problems at the end of the week. You yeah. Get, your job you don't like, oh, and then you spend all that money you make on booze anyway. <laughs> that's the oh, that, that's the oh, that is. Um, all right, last one. Biggest challenge you have overcome. So we've got three minutes. But Biggest it's fine. challenge. Oh. Is yeah, this I a think, quarter life quiet crisis answer? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think yeah. Well, the biggest thing. Oh, yeah, I'd say like just leaving my job, like the comfort there. Like obviously, I had like mental health struggles, and that was an ongoing thing. But like for one clear cut thing that I did, that was very tough that I had to do. <clears throat> yeah, just growing some bowls and leaving my job and um, jumping into something that I wanted to do. Like was, I took, like I said, I talked myself out of it six years straight. Like that's <laughs> that's some <laughs> fucking procrastination right there. That's like next level procrastination. Yeah. So. Just the and it just came down to not having any self belief, not having a good relationship with myself and stuff like that, um, and just constantly getting in my way and trying to sabotage myself. And like I said, <clears throat> uh, the comfort zone's like obviously comfortable and it feels good to be there and to play the victim and stuff. Oh, you know my work is you know why I'm sad and like it's their fault and obviously it was my fault. Um, so it just felt good to be stuck there for a while, I guess, even though I really wanted to leave, but. Once I finally overcame that and pulled my fucking my axe together, <laughs> you know, life changed. I was like, I felt like the, the weight had been, the world had been lifted off my shoulders. Yeah. Um, for the first time. Yeah, that definitely would as well. Well, six years and here we are. So, yeah, mega procrastination, <laughs> but we got there. <laughs> got there. All right, rapid, quick question. Favorite food, go on the spot. Oh, what type of food or actual the food? All right, dinner. If that makes it better. Favourite oh, dinner. Favourite dinner. I was going to say like cuisine. Okay. Favourite dinner. I would say 
Oh, sushi's gonna be right up there. No, no, black bean beef. Black bean beef is the fucking bomb. Oh, my god, like the like sizzling plate. Yeah, like the stir fry. Yeah, yeah, black yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my god, I could eat that like every day. Thank <laughs> God. I reckon when I was, when I had COVID a while ago, like I um I did eat it like every day. <laughs> oh, that's actually like that's that's actually really like nutritious as well. So yeah, it wasn't bad. Like it's not that fatty. Some yeah. veggies in there, but eh, whatever. <laughs> whatever, it's all good. Um, all right, we will end this now, but. Thank you guys if you've come this far. Thanks for listening. Um, and yeah, if you enjoy this, let me know and follow on the Coffee Break podcast. We were short on time, but you can find him on Instagram as sportsnutritionist.sedsi. That's spelled as S-E-D-S-I. I will leave more information about him in the show notes below. And if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. I hope you took something out of it and enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, anything you would like me to discuss, do message me on Instagram, which I will leave in the show notes too. Brencia Tolentino or the Coffee Break podcast. Anyway, have an amazing week and stay tuned for more episodes.